0: 1 Kings 18, beginning at verse 40. Then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi, the brook, the creek, Kishon, and slaughtered them there. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel, he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. So he went up, looked, and said, There's nothing. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. On the seventh time he reported, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming from the sea. Then Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. A little while the sky grew dark with clouds and wind, and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. The power of Yahweh was on Elijah, and he tucked his mantle under his belt and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts. It's been about two months since we moved from first Kings eighteen to study 1 Corinthians 5, and today we're going to move back to 1 Kings 18, and guess what? It still hasn't rained on Mount Carmel. We made it through our drought here in Georgia. This past fall we had about a two-month drought, and the meteorologists were calling it severe. It seemed dry to me but it was nothing compared to the three-and-a-half-year drought during the time period of First Kings 17-18. through Three-and-a-half years with no rain. In our text today, the last portion of chapter 18, we see the drought come to an end, and finally Yahweh, who caused the drought, stopped the drought. Yahweh caused the drought to stop through the prayer of His servant Elijah. I want you to notice again in verse 42 where we read, Elijah went up to the summit of Mount Carmel. That's the highest point on Mount Carmel. He bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. That's the posture of prayer that Elijah positioned himself in. And in case we don't know or maybe we're not convinced that that's a prayer in verse 42, Brother James tells us in the New Covenant Epistle of James 5, 17-18, he says this, that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. Now that second prayer that James speaks of, where he says that Elijah prayed again, that's the prayer of First Kings 18 verse 42. That's where Elijah bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. So let me share with you what I'm seeing when I look at this text. Since I've gotten back into First Kings 18 to continue our study of Elijah's ministry, I was reading this next section and the subject that stood out to me in these verses was the subject of prayer. That's what jumped off the page to me. And I was not planning on teaching any lessons about prayer, but I think that we can glean some good points from these verses right here, these last verses in First Kings 18 about prayer. And so for this lesson and I think at least next week's lesson, maybe the one after that, we're going to look at some biblical points or biblical aspects of prayer. We're going to learn how to pray from the prophet Elijah's example. The first point in prayer that we learn from this text is this. That prayer equals humility. That's the first thing. It deals with Elijah's posture in verse 42. Elijah approaches Yahweh with a posture of humility. Bowing down to the ground, putting his face between his knees. That's a gesture of humility. That's a gesture that says, you, the person that I'm approaching are greater than I am. In Genesis 42, the sons of Jacob approached an Egyptian governor who they did not know at the time was their brother Joseph. But they approached this Egyptian governor and they approached him by bowing down to him and seeking for help. They needed food. In Genesis 23, Abraham bowed down to the descendants of Heth. And the reason he did that was because he wanted to buy a burial plot for his wife Sarah. And in bowing down what Abraham was saying is I'm coming to you pleading, I'm coming to you as a servant, if you would please grant my request. That's what that gesture of bowing down meant. I want you to think about this. Here's an illustration. Think of going to visit the governor in the state of Georgia and standing at the front door of the governor's mansion. You would not barge into that place and prop your feet up on the couch and ask the governor, you got any popcorn? You would dress nicely, at least I hope that you would, if you went to visit the governor. You would speak with humility. You would say, yes sir, if he asked you if you would like something to drink. You would use the words please and thank you a lot. You would behave with class, because it is the governor, and it is the governor's house. Now as high ranking as the governor is, he does not hold a candle to almighty Yahweh. Yahweh is the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-living creator of the heavens, the earth, the seas, and everything in them. Yahweh created Nathan Deal. (laughs) Yahweh created the ground that his mansion sits on. In both Old and New Testaments alike, the word for worship in both Hebrew and in Greek means to bow down to the ground, to get low to the ground. Worshipping Yahweh means you pay homage to Him as royalty. He is royalty of all royalty. Yahweh is the origin of the definition of royalty. Well, the prophet Elijah teaches us something of great value here. That is this, is that we are to approach Yahweh when we pray as a humble servant bowing down face to the ground. The man who does not approach Yahweh in humility that man will be humbled by Yahweh. We are not to make demands of Yahweh. We are not to boss Yahweh around. We aren't to point our finger in Yahweh's face and tell Him to do something. I like to say that He's not Yahweh the butler. He's Yahweh the King. We're to come before Him, bow down lowly, and when we pray and we give thanks or make petitions, we're to do so in humility. Father Yahweh, I come before You. Our posture in prayer, our outward posture, when Elijah bowed down and put his face between his knees and prayed that prayer that brought on the rain, that outward posture is to be a manifestation of what's taking place on the inside of your heart and your mind. As we approach Yahweh bowing down outwardly, it should be representative of how our heart and our mind feel. Rest assured, if your heart and your mind view Yahweh correctly, you will approach Him correctly. If you've got your relationship between you and him ironed out on the inside, you'll approach him properly in your outward gesture. I like to picture Yahweh in my mind when I pray. That's something that I do. You said, "Brother Matthew, what do you mean?" Well, I do not know what he looks like. My Bible doesn't have pictures in it. I don't use the precious moments Bible, right? But I do read scriptures Where Yahweh has a face, hands, waist, feet. He's ancient, mighty, strong, a warrior, and a sovereign king. And so sometimes when I pray, I picture an all-wise elderly being before me. Not a human being, a spirit being. With no beginning and no end. A spirit being that could wipe me out at the drop of a hat, but yet as a father of love and of care at the same time. Kind of like my earthly dad was. He could wipe me out at the drop of a hat if he wanted to. I remember some spankings that I got when I was a little boy and I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. (laughs) But yet, when he got through with that talk and with that discipline, that rod of correction, he would say, Son, let me hug you and tell you that I love you. I knew he meant business and I feared my dad. But he was a loving father and he was a caring father. I'm thankful for that. Yahweh's both. Well, when I picture Yahweh in my mind, when Brother Matthew prays, it helps me to approach Yahweh in humility, not just outwardly, but inwardly. As I mentioned, in my heart and in my mind. Who am I compared to his greatness? What could I do to stop his plans? What does my brain capacity amount to when placed against the backdrop of our Heavenly Father's wisdom? I may begin to think I'm fairly smart or wise here on this earth, but what do I amount to compared to our Heavenly Father? I feel the words of Job press against my chest. Man born of woman is short of days and full of trouble. He blossoms like a flower, then withers. He flees like a shadow and does not last. Job fourteen one through 2. That's from Brother Job. We must learn to approach Yahweh in as much humility as possible. Don't worry about being too humble. I heard one guy one time make an accusation. Well, oh, that person's got false humility. They've got too much humility. Listen, don't worry about being too humble before Yahweh. I don't think that's possible for you to be too humble before Yahweh. If I'm going to be too much of something in Yahweh's presence, I would rather be guilty of being too humble than too prideful. Amen? I don't want to be on the prideful side because Yahweh resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. The first thing on the list that Brother Dan read in Proverbs 6 tonight, was it? Was that Yahweh hates the arrogant eyes. King James Version says a proud look. Yahweh resists the proud, grants grace to the humble. So don't worry about being too humble before Yahweh. Approach Yahweh in as much humility as possible. That's the first point that we learn from Elijah's gesture. When he approaches Yahweh in prayer, he bows down. It's an outward manifestation of his heart and his mind. But tonight, I don't want to just learn from Elijah's posture in prayer. I want to also understand something else from this text in verse 42 that's also powerful. And that is this. Second point about prayer. Last point tonight. Elijah prays in spite of Yahweh already promising to send rain on the land. Look back to 1 Kings 18 verse 1. It says, After a long time the word of Yahweh came to Elijah in the third year, Go present yourself to Ahab, I will send rain on the surface of the land. Yahweh told Elijah he was going to send the rain again before the contest with the prophets of Baal ever took place. And you can take Yahweh's word to the bank, right? Yahweh doesn't write bad checks. None of his checks bounce. can take it to the bank. So why in the world does Elijah see the need to pray for rain after the contest? Yahweh tells him before the contest, I'm going to send the rain. After the contest is over and Yahweh sends fire to consume the altar that Elijah made, Elijah goes and he prays for rain. First Kings 18.42, James 5.17-18. through 18. Why does he do that? If Yahweh is going to send rain, surely he can send the rain without Elijah praying for it, can't he? I think we would agree. Sure he could. Yahweh, if he so desired and chose to, could do anything without involving his creatures. Yahweh's hands are not tied waiting on you to pray or waiting on Elijah to pray. Yahweh is not up there saying, he wasn't back there saying, boy, I sure would like to send some rain, but unless Elijah prays, I'm not going to be able to do it. My hands are tied. That would mean that Elijah was in control, right? That would mean that Elijah was sovereign in that circumstance, right? Because he controlled the rain. No, but that's not the case. Yahweh's hands were not tied to Elijah. That's not how it is at all. This is how it is. Yahweh includes us because He loves us. The book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 11 says, Yahweh created all things for His pleasure. For His pleasure. And that includes me and that includes you. You were created for His pleasure. We were created to please Him. And it pleases Him to include us in His plans and in His promises. One way that He includes us is in working in and through our prayers. Once again, it's not that He can't work by Himself. It's that He chooses not to work by Himself. Let me explain this a little bit more. Yahweh ordains what will take place. And He also ordains the path by or through which that thing will take place. Let me say that again. Take hold of this. Number one, Yahweh ordains what will take place. Number two, the Bible also teaches, He ordains the path by or through which that thing takes place. Yahweh willed to send the rain on the land again. And He willed it right through the prayer of His servant Elijah. That's the will of Yahweh and the means through which it was going to happen. I remember Morgan. As I was putting this lesson together, I thought about Morgan. She's a lot older now, but I remember when she was a little bitty thing, and I had just her, and maybe Benjamin was fresh born. And sometimes after dinner, I would say to Tisha and Morgan, I'm going to wash the dishes. Now, Tisha might be thinking right now, I wish you would have said that more. (laughs) But sometimes I would say that. I would say I'm going to wash the dishes and I would pull a chair up to the sink and I would tell little bitty Morgan, I would say come over here sweetheart and help daddy wash these dishes and she would get this big smile on her face. That was before they knew what chores were, right parents? She would get this big smile on her face and she would say okay, we're going to wash the dishes and she would sit up in that in that thing and her little curly hair and I remember a vivid, one, uh, vivid picture one time she had a little sweater on and she, bare feet and I would wash the dishes and she would dry them. I made up this song and we would sing when we would do these things together. We would sing, Helping each other is what we do. And then I would look at her and I'd say, Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> she liked that part. She liked that part. And she had so much fun helping Dad. And maybe it was because at that time we didn't have nearly as many dishes to wash as we do now, right? But my point in the illustration is this. I willed, as, as the dad, as the husband, I willed that night that the dishes be washed. But in willing that, I included my daughter in the process. Why? Why did I include Morgan? Because it made me smile and because it made her smile. It made me sing, it made her sing. It made me feel good, it made her feel good. And it taught her at a young age to help her parents with work around the house from a little bitty girl. See, Yahweh wills things all the time. Things that are even out of our perception. But He includes us in His will, in His plans. And the reason He does it is because He loves you. He includes you in His will just like I included Morgan in mine. He does it because He loves you. It makes Him smile. It brings Him joy. It brings Him happiness. It pleases Him. And most of all, when He includes us, He is teaching you and me things that otherwise you would never learn if He didn't include you. You learn by being involved in His will. And when Yahweh includes you in carrying out His will, guess what? You grow in your understanding of Scripture. And you grow in your understanding of life in general when He includes you. He doesn't have to include any of us, but He includes us. Think about that. He doesn't need us, but yet He accepts us. He doesn't need Matthew, but Matthew needs Him. He created me for His pleasure and He includes me because He loves me. He's a loving Father. so thankful I had an earthly dad that loved me. And it gives me just a tinge of how much if Yahweh loves me even equal to how much my earthly daddy loves me, then he loves me so much. He loves me so much. But you know what? Yahweh's love skyrockets way past my earthly dad. Yahweh loves me. and knows exactly what I need. You know, people have asked me before, Brother Matthew, does prayer change things? And this is my answer. It might be a little out of the ordinary, maybe what you'd hear a lot of pastors say. This is Brother Matthew's answer. Does prayer change things, Brother Matthew? Yes. And I'll tell you what it has changed drastically. It has changed me. Prayer has changed me. It has made me put confidence and hope and strength in a being much more powerful than me. Prayer has made me realize that I am helpless without Yahweh. I cannot make it without Him. I cannot save myself. I cannot handle my problems alone. I only make a mess of everything when I do not pray to my Heavenly Father. And I try to do it all on my own. And I think this is not big enough for me to go and petition you about Yahweh. Yahweh's up there and saying, well, He's still got a lot of learning to do. Let me put a little bit more discipline on Matthew. He needs to take it to me in prayer, but he's not learned yet. So I'm going to will something, and I'm going to include him in my will. I'm going to give him a little discipline. But thanks be to Yahweh. Hebrews chapter 12 says that because I get discipline, that means I get, I'm get i getting love. I'm not fatherless. I'm not fatherless. I'm getting love. No discipline at the present times seems joyous. It's painful. But afterwards it yields that fruit of righteousness the author of Hebrews says. So yeah prayer changes things and the most thing that it changes in my life has been me. Yahweh is a great king. Much greater than I could ever describe in a sermon or sermons. There are not enough adjectives in the vocabulary of all languages to describe how great Yahweh is. He should be honored and yes The great king's will, what he wants to happen, will always happen. The Bible teaches this over and over and over. I'll give you one verse. Psalm 135, verse 6. It's a refrigerator verse, as I like to say. You write it out, put it on your refrigerator, and learn how to quote it because it's a big one. Psalm 135, verse 6. Yahweh does whatever He pleases in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the depths. That's why He's called the Almighty. He's mighty over all. But He chooses to include us in His will and plan. And part of that means He ordains to work in and through the prayers of His saints. That's how Yahweh accomplishes things upon the earth, biblically. Yahweh said, I'm going to send rain. Elijah didn't think, oh, that means I don't need to pray. No, he prayed anyhow and Yahweh sent the rain through the prayer of his servant, the prophet Eliyahu. He could have sent the rain without Elijah's prayer. That's not how he wanted to do it. Why? He loved Elijah. It pleased him to use his his creature, his creation. He chose to do it through Elijah's prayer, and that's fine because he's Yahweh, and he can do what he wants to do. That's the definition of Yahweh. He'll be whatever he wants to be. So never feel like you don't have to pray. Your prayer may be the channel through which Yahweh is going to accomplish His will. You say, well, somebody's sick. Well, Yahweh will heal them or He won't heal them. I don't have to pray. No, your prayer may be the channel through which Yahweh has ordained, not just the beginning, but also the means to the end accomplishment. Well, we need this happening in our life. This needs to go on in my marriage. This needs to go on with me and my children. This needs to go on in my family. Well, Yahweh will do it or He won't do it. No, pray. We're going to see in next week's message, sometimes pray seven times. And the answer will come, never feel like you don't have to pray. I've heard people say, if Yahweh is in control, why should I pray? It's all going to happen like He wants it to happen anyhow. Why should I pray? Well, that question stems from a person that has yet to understand how Yahweh has chosen to work out His will upon the earth. We should not say, if Yahweh is in control, why should I pray? A biblical understanding means we should say this. The Scriptures teach that Yahweh is in control. And the Scriptures tell me to pray, to seek, and to ask. I will believe the first, and I will obey the second. Amen. So these are just some of the important points on prayer that we learn right here in First Kings 18. And who would have thought that we would learn that from this chapter? But as I was reading and meditating, these things were coming into my mind. I sure did not think I would teach on prayer, but I'm thankful that Yahweh reveals these things through His Word. But that's not all of it. There's more right here in these verses about prayer. But we're going to look at the other points. Yahweh willing in next week's lesson, and maybe a third lesson after that, but definitely in next week's lesson. So We'll stay in the same text next week, and we'll talk more about prayer. Let's stand and close in word prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty Yahweh, we come before You with bowed down heads and with humble hearts. Yahweh, I pray that You would help us to be more humble when we pray to You. Help me to recognize even when I do Your will, I'm just a servant. I've only done what's required. And help us all to realize that you use our prayers as your means to accomplishing your ends. May we believe that, not with a mind of thinking that we are controlling you, but that you are in complete control and we are your utensils through which you work in the earth. May it be so, Yahweh, through your Son, Yeshua, I pray. Amen. Yahweh bless you.